open the gates. Let us in. The soldiers backed into the fortress city and pushed shut the thousand-tonned gate. The people that had been expelled by the soldiers outside came rushing back toward it like a black water tide, slapping on the doors. On top of the towers, the soldiers roared, Back away! Leave! Take your travel expenses and go eastward. Don't stick around. However, the Yong'an refugees had turned their backs on their hometown, fled their lands, and arrived at the one capital that was closest in distance. The gates to the royal capital closed on them, but if they wanted to survive, they would be forced to go around the fortress city and walk an even further distance to the cities further east. The journey to the royal capital was already arduous and rough, crossing through thousands of obstacles. Many were already wounded or dead, so how could they have any more energy to continue on? Even if they were all given travel expenses, rations and water, how many more days could they hang on on the road? Each of their faces were ashen, some dragging their household goods, some carried babies on their backs, some holding stretchers. They held each other up, some lying on the ground, unable to move any more, and others simply sat. Fields and fields of them remained before the fortress walls. Some younger men still had the energy to be enraged, banging on the doors, yelling, You can't do this. You're going to kill us. We're all citizens of Shenla. You can't just kill us off like this. One of the men yelled until his voice was hoarse. You can kick us out. It doesn't matter. I won't stay. But can you at least take my wife and my children? Please. They were like ants trying to shake a tree. The fortress city gates remained unmoved. Shelian stood on top of the tower, his white robes fluttering in the wind. He crossed the parapet to watch below. Outside the royal capital, there were endless heads, black and squirming, dense and tightly knit, very much like swarms of ants he used to see when he played in the royal gardens in his younger years. Back then, out of curiosity, he'd looked closer and extended a finger, wanting to poke at them secretly. But there was immediately an attendant who cried out, Your Highness, those things are dirty. You can't touch. Don't touch. With her dress lifted, she ran over hurriedly and squished all the ants under her foot. When those ants were alive, other than a dense swarm, there wasn't much to look at. After having been squished into something less than mud piles, there wasn't anything left to look at. Within the royal capital walls, lights filled millions of homes, and the sounds of music wafted in the air. This one fortress wall separated two completely different worlds. Never mind that the young unrefugees who arrived after were kept out. Even the ones that were already settled within had been expelled. Although harsh, Shelian could somewhat understand that this was because there was more and more friction between the young unrefugees and the royal capital residents in the recent months. 
If they kept such men inside the city walls, there could very well be collusion inside and out, causing havoc. However, he felt that just one thing still had room for negotiation. He absent-mindedly spoke out loud. Why must the woman and the vulnerable be expelled too? There are some who can't walk much further. Fengxin and Mu Cheng were waiting on him just behind. Mu Cheng replied, If they must be expelled, then they must all be expelled. Everyone must be treated equally. There mustn't be any favoritism. Lest people be provoked and say, How come they could stay and not me? You think too much, Feng Xin commented. Mu Cheng said flatly, There are very well people who would think this. Besides, if the wives and children remain, then the men wouldn't want to go too far either. They would return sooner or later. Keeping people in the city is keeping future problems. Those young unrefugees refused to leave, so the soldiers on the towers couldn't leave either. They humphed, suit yourselves. Since the king made the command, did they think that just sitting there loitering would do anything? They could loiter for one or two days, but hardly a month or two, or a year or two. The soldiers and residents of the royal capital all believed this. Some of the young unrefugees hopelessly accepted their fate and decided to gamble travelling eastward, but such numbers were few. Many still sat stubbornly by the fortress gates, hoping that the royal capital would open their doors to them, or at the very least give them somewhere to rest before journeying onwards. When the new refugees arrived, although they were disappointed in seeing the closed city gates, when they saw so many still keeping watch, they joined the masses. Thus, after several days, there were more and more gathered outside the city gates. Almost a million people had settled and built temporary shelters, forming an impressive and curious sight. They used the rations and water given by the king to hold on, but they were almost at their limit, too. This limit was crossed on the fifth day. For those past five days, Xielin had divided each day into three, one third devoted to the followers at the temple of the crown prince, the next third for moving water and creating rain, and the last third for caring for the young uncitizens outside the city walls. Even with Feng Xin and Mu Qing helping, sometimes Xielian felt the weight of those responsibilities. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. That day, it just so happened to be a time when he wasn't guarding outside the city walls. Under the scorching sun, there was suddenly a wail outside the gates. The wailing came from a couple holding their child in their arms. Many came forward to see. What's wrong with the child? they asked. Hungry or thirsty? And soon a shout. Everyone, come share some water here. This child's not looking too good. That woman sobbed as she fed water to her red-faced child, but all the water was thrown back up. The father said, I don't know what's going on. He's sick. A doctor. We need a doctor. Carrying his son, he ran to the gates and started slapping the doors. Open up, 
Help! Someone's dying. My son's dying. Naturally, the soldiers within didn't dare to open the gates. Whether or not someone was actually dying, there were hundreds of thousands outside. If they opened up, there'd be no closing the gates. Instead, they reported to the officers high up. The weather was hot, and the heat was making the soldiers standing watch over the past days cranky. They said apathetically, Give him some water and food. Thus, they used a rope, hung some water and food, and lowered it down. Thank you, thank you, my lords and brothers, but we don't want water and food. Can you help us find a doctor? That man said. This made things difficult. They couldn't let him in to find a doctor, and they certainly couldn't lower a doctor down the city walls. Who knows what those starving refugees would do once the doctor got outside. Thus, those high-ranking officers replied, Never mind, ignore them. They can't die. If they ask again, then tell them the message has been sent through to request a response from the king. The king had been deeply troubled by the young unmatters and was easily angered over the past few days. And naturally, no one really dared bother him with such a small thing. The soldiers responded accordingly, and that man, feeling relieved, thanked them profusely, thanked his majesty, and knelt to kowtow multiple times. Yet, hours upon hours passed, shadows under the scorching sun moved from one end to the other, but the asked-for doctor still hadn't appeared, and the temperature of that child in their arms was growing hotter. The arms of that couple holding their child were trembling, and that man was covered in cold sweat, mumbling, Will anyone come? Will anyone open the gates? Finally, they couldn't wait any longer and yelled to the towers, Officers, my apologies, but I want to ask, where's the doctor? A soldier responded, We're waiting for a formal response from the king. Wait for a while longer. Some citizens couldn't sit still anymore. They said that four hours ago. So why hasn't anyone come yet? The soldiers heeded their superior's command and ignored them. The crowd under the fortress walls was furious, forlorn and distressed. They surrounded the child and started wandering in doubt. Did they really actually pass on the message to His Majesty? They're not lying to us, are they? The father of that child couldn't wait any longer. He hardened his heart, tied the child to his back, and turned to his wife to say a few last words. That woman removed a protection charm from around her neck and put it around her husband's neck. That man ran toward the city wall and started to try to scale it. The city wall was smooth, built to make climbing difficult, and after grabbing at it a few times, he still couldn't climb up. The rest of the men called out, Let me help you, and they pushed him up. A crowd of around ten men stacked themselves into a human pyramid and helped deliver him higher upon the wall. There, that man managed to grab onto the rope that had been used to lower water and food and continued to climb. At the bottom, hundreds of thousands watched anxiously 
not daring to cheer for him, scared that they might be discovered. The soldiers on top of the towers had been standing watch for many days, and the young unrefugees hadn't started anything, so they were fairly lax in their watch. It wasn't until the man had reached halfway up that they noticed, with a start, that someone was pressing close onto the wall. They shouted, What are you doing? No climbing. Climbers will be killed without mercy. Do you hear me? Climbers will be killed without mercy. Under their threat, the man also shouted back, I don't have any ill intention. I just want to bring my child to the doctor. I won't do anything else. He continued to scale the wall as he shouted. One of the superior officers was just having his meal, and upon hearing of this, he became outraged. If that man was to scale the wall safely and set an example, wouldn't many more of the young Ahn refugees attempt the same? He must be stopped. Thus, he strode out and shouted down the parapet. Don't you value your life? Go back down this instant. If you don't, you'll be sorry. Yet, that man had already reached high on the wall, passed halfway, and with just one more push, he'd be able to reach the top. So naturally, he didn't stop. That superior officer never had anyone disobey him like this. His words were law. Whoever disobeyed was easy enough to take care of, however. He approached the parapet, pulled out his sword, and struck. That rope snapped in two. With the snapped rope in his hand, that man fell from mid-air. In the midst of thousands screaming, he landed heavily on the hard ground before the city gates. That was the moment Shailen arrived. That man had fallen with his back facing down, and on his back was his child. There was a thump and the child was crushed into a clump of ground meat, spraying blossoms of blood. That man's neck was broken, his eyes bulging, and around his twisted neck rolled a protection charm with the word Shinla written on it, embroidered with golden thread. It was the protection charm from the temple of the crown prince. The moment before he started to climb, that man and his wife both held that protection charm in their hands and silently prayed for the blessings of His Highness, the Crown Prince. This was how Shirlene had heard their voices and rushed over. Nevertheless, he was not a hero from any of those legends written in books and could in no way appear right before the executioner dropped their axes and save lives from under knives. That woman didn't even have the courage to flip her husband's dead body to check on the condition of her son. She covered her face and screamed, and without looking, she dashed forward madly and bashed her head against the wall. There was a loud crack and she dropped, her body limp. Right before Shelian's eyes, in the flash of a second, three dead bodies piled before the city gates of the royal capital. He hadn't had time to react before the crowd outside the city gates were riled up, unable to hold back any longer. Someone yelled, Dead! A family of three, all dead! 
Look, that's a good old officer working for his majesty. He won't save us, but instead is forcing our deaths. You won't let us in, but you won't let anyone out either. What should we have done? Three lives are now on your hands. After him, more and more people started to shout. You said to expel all young unrefugees from the royal capital, but how come I don't see any of the rich ones expelled? So us, the poor and powerless, deserve to die? I've seen through you. I can't stand it anymore. I really can't. Year after year, we paid our taxes. But now, there's a disaster. Where did all that money go? Rather than aiding disaster victims, did all the money go to parasites and building your son's temples? Just this bit of food and rations to shut us up? What do you take us for? Useless king, incompetent king. The soldiers on top of the towers were yelling down at the crowd for them to stop. But that officer had seen much in his lifetime and didn't take any of it seriously. Yet the situation was slowly getting out of control and hundreds of thousands pushed furiously against the gates. Some even using their own heads or bodies to slam against the wall. And this time it wasn't mere ants on trees. The gates moved. In fact, the entire fortress wall and towers were slightly shaking. Ever since Shailin was born, he had never witnessed a situation such as this. The people he met had all been kind, peaceful, happy, satisfied and endearing. Those twisted faces, crying and screaming, forced him to enter a completely foreign world and he couldn't help but feel cold in his bones. Even against the most horrifying ghosts and demons, he had never felt this way. Just then, there was an angry roar from above. He whipped his head around and saw a tall and gaunt silhouette choking that officer who had cut the rope and caused the three deaths below the city walls. There was a loud and clear crack and his neck was broken. That band of soldiers had no idea how that man suddenly appeared. All were shocked and bewildered, and they rushed forward with their swords in hand to surround him. Who are you? How did you get up here? They shouted. Shailen immediately noticed that man's hands. They were smeared with blood and ripped flesh. That man had scaled the creviceless wall using his bare hands. When that figure turned around, it was indeed Lang Ying. Lang Ying was calm and collected, even when surrounded by soldiers. He crossed over the parapet, threw the corpse of that officer down, and he himself jumped off, stepping onto the corpse and using it as a stepping stone to break his fall. The moment when he jumped, he looked straight at Shailian. But what he was looking at wasn't Shailian. Instead, he looked through him to gaze at the royal palace sitting right in the center of the royal capital. From that day onwards, the entire kingdom of Shenla was thrown into chaos.